Good morning, and peace be with you. I'm going to direct your attention to the insert in the bulletin with uh, things that are coming up this next month. The one that I want to point to you is uh, the Advent study that is going to be occurring on Wednesdays at noon. And what will happen there, uh, as many of you know that are in the Bible study on um, Tuesdays, is that we will postpone that. We'll just sort of hold that one uh, off until after the season. And the Advent uh, program is is really, I'm very excited about it. It's got a great devotion to it. And I just hope if you have uh, the time available that you'll come and fellowship with us and hear what God would have us know and to think and as he encourages us. So please consider coming to that. Uh, the other, maybe I lose track of time. Anyone have that problem? Yeah? It's like a couple weeks ago, but it could have been more. We were in our men's study on Saturday morning, and I have my study Bible from seminary, and it's, it's about 15 pounds, it feels like, you know, so it's thick, and it's got lots of notes in it. And we were, somehow, I, I got into the commentary, and it was Luther's explanation on what can we, men, women, children, of God, give to God that isn't already his. You ever thought about that? What can I give to him That's, that he doesn't, it's not, it's not already his, you know? And you know, there's lots of things. You might go, oh, my, my love or my time or, well, already his time, money, already his, talents, already his. What we can give to God, Luther said, is this. We can give him our confession. We confess that we are sinners. And that's why we start the service at the very beginning. If you've ever looked at this and thought, well, why do we do it this way? Well, there is a method to all of this. And the very first part of it is the invocation, the confession, and the absolution. One of the things that we can give God is our confession. The other thing we can give to him, as we're giving right now this morning, is our time, our worship of him. Those are two things that he can't make you do. (laughs) Otherwise, it loses its authenticity. What are acts of worship? Acts of worship are coming here and being here and, and singing out loud, obviously. Praying together out loud. Greeting each other out loud. Um... Passing out bulletins, working in the uh, sound room. He just ducked behind. Um, The altar guild, acts of worship, reading the scripture, acts of worship, prayers, acts of worship. All of these things we get to participate that we can give to the Lord, things that he doesn't already have. So just wanted to, to point that out to you, that, um, that there's a reason that we do this first part, and actually every part in here, because it's what we give to him, and it's important, and we need to do it. If you're late to church and you miss the um, confession and absolution, um, that's, that's kind of tragic. It's not a, 
as Sam Giese would say, a salvation issue, but really it's a big part of the whole point. We come and we confess, and then you hear those beautiful words, pure gospel. For his sake, God forgives you all of your sins. So I'm not pointing out to anybody, but boy, goodness, we need to be on time. Amen? You know? And, and, and that's part of the why. Well, that didn't go, I didn't plan that out, and uh, maybe that's not a surprise to you, but I wanted to, to share it was on my heart this morning as to why do we do what we do and what is the importance of it. So let's get started, Tim, with our opening hymn, which is Immortal, Invisible, God, Only Wise.
Will you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. 
Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are His. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, so govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit that ever mindful of your glorious return, we may persevere in both faith and holiness of living. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 51, verses 4 through 6. This can be found on page 1142 in the Pew Bible. Isaiah 51, 4 through 6. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way, and my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever, and my righteousness will never fail. We will read Psalm 93 responsively, which is printed in your bulletin on page 6. Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established firm and secure. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. My 
Your statues, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. The next reading is taken from the book of Jude, verses 20 through 25, and this can be found on page 1910 in the Pew Bible. Jude 20 through 25. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt and save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is indeed from St. Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 through 37, and it can be found on page 1578 of the Pew Bible. Mark records, But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. And even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. And truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house 
and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task. And he tells the one at the door, keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. This is the last Sunday of the church year. And humanity has a natural curiosity about all things. I haven't been paying attention at the checkout at the grocery store lately, but there used to be a, a rag there, a, a, a newspaper called the National Enquirer. You ever saw that? And the National Enquirer didn't have the tagline that said, Inquiring minds want to know. And honestly, for the most part, um, inquiring, inquisitiveness is a good thing. However, there are times when curiosity has gotten individual people into a whole lot of trouble. In today's Bible readings, they produce a natural amount of curiosity. It is the last Sunday of the year, and it makes sense that we hear Bible readings about the last day on this last Sunday of the church year. And the topic of the last day, it really does trigger a natural curiosity. And it causes us to ask, who, what, where, when, and how? And we want to know everything. But God knows, Father knows best, that it is better if we don't know everything. And Jesus firmly tells us that no one knows God's schedule for the last day. In fact, we hear this twice in today's gospel. We hear it in other scripture as well, but Jesus tells us that the angels don't know. And that even the Son of Man, in his state of humiliation, does not know. Humiliation. Um, what I mean by that, in the very root of that word, uh, humiliation, 
is the abasement of pride. Humiliation is a humbled state, a reduced to submission state. So Jesus, fully man, fully God, condescended from up here down to us to meet us eye level, was in a state of humiliation, submission. God's decision to hide these things when the time comes, combined with our natural curiosity and our orneriness, our contrariness, causes something strange to happen. And that is this. In spite of what God's word clearly says, there are people who insist that they know God's schedule for the last day. Just for the heck of it, I went online and I looked up in the search term false prophets. Just was curious. And a wide variety of false prophets have selected dates for the end of the world. Thousands of dates. Many people who make these predictions claim to be Christians in spite of the fact that Jesus specifically, emphatically told us that no one can know the time. For example, in 2012, there was a whole lot of concern about the Mayan calendar. Do you remember that? The earth was supposed to come to an end on December 21st, 2012. And you saw pictures of this Mayan calendar, and it kind of looked like an Oreo cookie. And there were jokes that were made about it. And the fact is this, that um, it's been revised. So, oh no, it wasn't uh, December 2012. Then it was um, June 3rd, 2016. And then it was supposed to be December, uh, just before Christmas, last year in 2020. And then apparently, um, it's, we're all done on December 21st of 2021. Now, funny how you can move the goalposts, right? Well, the descendants of the Mayans and others who study this thing, this stuff, they keep telling us that there is no meaning to the end of the Mayan calendar and that the ancient Mayan numbering system just simply ran out of numbers. And even so, there will be some crazy people who will make radical lifestyle choices assuming that the world will never reach the end of 2021, or 2012, or 2016, or 2020. And we know that there are con artists out there who will use this sort of craziness, this mania, to make a quick buck. And over time, we hear tragic stories of a great 
amount of money changing hands because some people were able to convince other people that they knew when Christ was returning. And from time to time, you will read about a poor soul that has given away all of their earthly belongings waiting for Jesus to return. And then when the day comes, and that day comes, these people have no homes. They had no jobs. They had no savings. It was all gone. And as incredible as these tragedies are, they are really not the worst thing about these false prophets. For while people are obsessing over the time and the itinerary of the end times, they are forgetting the important teaching in today's gospel, and that was this. Jesus said, be on guard. Keep awake. Therefore, stay awake. And what I say to you, I say to all. One more time, stay awake. The important thing is to be ready when the last day comes. The reason Jesus wants us to be ready is that there are two and only two eternal destinations in the last day. And those destinations are either heaven or hell. And heaven is much more of a blessing than we can ever imagine. And hell is much more of a curse than we can ever imagine. And the important thing is to avoid hell and to enter heaven. It is not important to know more than that about heaven and hell. It is not important when the last day comes. It is just important to know that it will come one day. And the only way to be ready for that day is to be ready for it every day. So you see, when we are speculating about the nature of the last day, when it is what it will be like, our attention is drawn away from preparing for it. So what does it mean? What does it look like to be awake, to watch, or to be ready? Well, Jesus did not die on the cross so that we could know the details of all of the events on the last day. He died so that we could be prepared for the last day. And preparation for the last day means that we must be holy in God's eyes. For only those people who are holy will enter the kingdom of God. The Bible gives us just two ways to be holy. One way depends on us. The other way depends on God. The way that depends on us requires us to be perfect. There can be no mistakes, no slip-ups, no whoops, oopsie, no gee, sorry about that. No, we must be as perfect as God is. The slightest blemish, the slightest spot, the slightest wrinkle 
on our record means that we fail. It's all over. The test is a pass-fail exam. 100% passes, and everything else short of that is a fail. Done. Over. And the next stop is eternal torment. There are no appeals. There are no do-overs. In all of time and space, there has been one and only one human being that has ever pulled this off. Every other human being fails this test at the moment of conception. For we know that David wrote in the psalm, 51.5, in sin did my mother conceive me. So, although God makes this way available, one and only one human, human being has been able to do it. It just is not possible for an ordinary person. Now, the way that depends on God involves God the Father sending his only begotten Son into the world to take our place as a human being under the law. And God's Son, Jesus, is perfect. And with him there are no mistakes, no slips, no slip-ups, no whoops, or sorry about that's. Jesus has no blemish, no spot, no wrinkle or blot. Jesus is the one and the only human being who passed the test with a perfect score of 100%. And the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 22 and 23, he said this, He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So God the Father sent his Son, Jesus, into the world. And Jesus became the perfect human being for you and for me. Now on top of that, Jesus submitted to his Father. And he took up all of our sins. And he took up everything from the sins that we consider the worst to the sins that we don't even really notice. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And Jesus then took those sins to the cross where he suffered and he died for us. And Peter said in 1 Peter 2, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds, we have then been healed. This is the way that God makes us holy. This is the only way to be ready for the last day when it comes. Jesus Christ, God's Son, must give his holiness to us And he offers that holiness to us 
from the cross. Jesus did not remain among the dead. No, he, he did not. He rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. And he has promised that he will return on the last day. To do what? On the last day, to raise all mankind from the dead, just as he himself rose from the dead on the third day. And on that day, there will be two reactions to his coming. All of those who attempted to produce their own holiness will find that God's presence is exceedingly painful. They will do anything to get away from God. In fact, the Bible describes this terror this way in Revelation 6, starting at verse 15. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks. They said, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? And they will see the coming of Jesus, and they will flee from his presence in terror, and they will prefer the eternal punishment of hell to the presence of the living God. Those who rest in the holiness of Jesus Christ, the holiness that he earned for us on that cross, these will see the Lord's coming with rejoicing. That's you, rejoicing on that last day. They will join together with the church and rest in the love of God. As the Bible says in Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church that he gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And again, the Bible says in Revelation 21, Behold, the dwelling place of, the, of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things, the former things have passed away. So when we do a careful study of the Bible, of all the signs of the end, we learn that they have all come to pass. That there is no prophecy waiting to be fulfilled except the actual coming of the last day. For we all know that the Lord 
could reveal himself before this service is over. Some of you are probably saying, please come now, Lord Jesus. On the other hand, we might be dead and buried for centuries before he returns. The Lord's encouragement to us would be the same. He would say, be on guard, keep awake, therefore stay awake, and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake, be ready for the last day at any time. It's not important to know the date of the last day. In fact, Jesus says that we can't know that time. It is not important to know anything about the details of our eternal existence. The important thing is this, to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins that makes us constantly ready for the day when he will show himself and will raise the dead. Jesus urges us to be awake to be on guard so that we will receive him in joy, the joy that anticipates life forever with him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
outward vesture be and lowliness become mine inner clothing true lowliness of heart which takes the with Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, God Almighty and Heavenly Father, we gather this morning as one, whether here or elsewhere, to praise your holy name and appeal to your mercies by our prayers, perfected through your Holy Spirit, and by the grace of your Son, Jesus, who stands as our Redeemer beside you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of our blessings that we so often have taken for granted. We often give you thanks for our living standards, opportunities, and relative safety in the United States in our prayers, but rarely wonder what life would be like without the blessings you have provided. Today we are witnessing the loss of many of these blessings, including our very freedoms of movement, availability of nearly unlimited food supplies, 
homes and shelters, and educational opportunities. Even our safety in our own communities is under attack. The wealth we so often worship without realizing it is being taken away faster than we could imagine. Instead of worshiping you, we spend our time worshiping recreational activities, purchasing material goods, earning more money, celebrating our self-importance, or just relaxing without a thought to your grace. Pride and greed have clearly shown the sin of mankind and the chaos that ensues when Satan influences our actions more than your word. We're sorry, Holy Father. Almighty God, for failing to recognize your providence, your creative and omnipotent nature, your saving grace, and for failing to place you as our highest priority in all things. This coming week, as we prepare to celebrate our thanksgiving for our incredible nation, Holy Spirit, we ask that you plant a firm reminder in our hearts that our thanks goes to God Almighty and not to ourselves for guiding the formation of our government, its constitution and bill of rights, and for protecting us against enemies of our nation for 245 years. Our sinful actions don't deserve your grace, but we plead for your continued protection against enemies both inside and outside the United States. We pray that you would guide our individual and government actions to reflect our Father's best intentions for our continued existence. We pray for our fellow citizens, friends, and family who face uncertain futures, medical issues, or other concerns that bring despair and distress. We witness lies, deceit, and hate spreading throughout our national culture and are frightened for our future. We can't trust our news media, government leaders, our legislature, or courts. We are most certainly surrounded by Satan's forces. Holy Spirit, we have been instructed to put on the armor of God and stand our ground for truth. Jesus Christ is truth. And we pray for his protection as we stand firm in our faith and try to correct the path of our governmental institutions. We pray for wisdom for our elected leaders, that they would place the safety and security of our citizens above their personal greed for power and divisiveness. We pray that you would illuminate the foolishness and self-centeredness of those who only seek to destroy our government and spew hatred rather than work as one to protect our country. Help us to remember and remove from leadership any who shun your wisdom. We pray for the safety of our military, police, firefighters, and medical professionals who face danger every day. Please shield all of them from harm. We pray for the safety of those who travel, especially during this holiday season. Please guide us to peaceful and thankful celebrations, focusing on your blessings to all of us, especially the promise of eternal life with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We pray for the faithful of Reformation Lutheran Church and Victory Outreach. Shield us from harm and help us to serve one another. For this coming Thanksgiving meal, we pray for an extra helping of music, laughter, and friendship for all. May you, God Almighty, continue to bless America. Please, Holy Spirit, give us thankful hearts and minds. Let us trust in God as never before and know that he loves us even when we disobey his commands and forget that he is in charge, not us. 
Let us love the gift of his son, Jesus, as never before. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to our, your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave. And by his glorious resurrection, he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. Then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. It's another hard lesson today. But the good part is that he has made it possible that you are ready now. That he does wake us up. He has woken you up. He woke you up in your baptism. And he wakes you up and makes you ready and awake in the sacrament of the altar. Communion as we will come and receive today. He makes you ready for that last day. We need not worry when it comes, because we're ready. Thanks be to Jesus. Now this supper is for all who profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Confess Him. Those who are baptized in His name. Come, the table is prepared.
saying that. You're ready. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about when it come. it's coming. It is coming. He promises that, and he keeps those promises. But he also promised that you're ready. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor 
and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. in your favor Who loves all your words And hides them like treasure In the darkest place Of his desperate heart They are a light A strong shore my strength.